So we're in, sort of at the end of a series called Investigating Jesus. Ah. And um, do you all know who this is? Yes. Judge Judy, that's right. So her story is this. She um, evidently was a uh, child court advocate or something in New York. She, she retired. And then she took a gig as this uh, judge on television, Judge Judy, okay? So she's done that for 25 years. She just retired, but she did it for 25 years. And this is the story behind kind of all that. Uh, in the courtroom, it says there's a state of New York flag. It's actually filmed in Los Angeles, I believe. And if you want to be on the Judge Judy show, get this. I mean, this is insane to me. If you have like a disagreement with someone, you uh, contact their producer and you say, like, like Paul and I, we'd have a conflict. Paul, yeah, because we have conflicts a lot. Uh, and and, and we, would, we would call Judge Judy and we would say, Paul and I have a conflict. We would like Judge Judy to arbitrate. So while it's not a court of law, it is an arbitration. And the people that go sign and say, we will abide by the decision of Judge Judy. So here's what they get for their trouble going and being on television and being humiliated, by the way. They get airfare, hotel, $100 a day. That's it. Judge Judy, by the way, makes $25 million a year. Uh, so uh, there's one person in this whole scenario that has a better deal than the other. Now, her tagline was always justice with an attitude. So today we're going to talk about this verse that Jesus said. Now, we're kind of investigating these things that Jesus did or said. And, and he told us, judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, you can't really say that without, so get your index finger. We're all going to say it together, all right? Because you don't judge, but those people around you. Uh, so get your index finger, and I want you to say it with me. We're going to quote the verse. Ready? And you got to point at somebody. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to use two fingers. Uh, uh, here we go. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, you're even judgmental when you say it. Uh, it's kind of how it goes. And so Jesus says this thing, and it's like, okay, well, what does he mean? Uh, and what does he mean by that? Because there's a context to every text. But the thing that Christians are most noted for is judgment with an attitude. In fact, if you ask non-Christians, they'll say uh, Christians are judgmental. And the one verse that most non-Christians know how to quote is, Judge not that you be not judged. Everybody knows the verse. So what exactly does the verse mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's always a bigger context. A verse like that, there's a context to it. And so, because honestly, we all judge. You judge, I judge, we are Judgy, we judge. Um, if I'm driving in a car and I either pass someone or someone passes me, I want you to notice how that works. I pass on the left or someone passes me on the left. If I'm in the left lane, I'm either passing or I get over, right? I judge people who drive in the left lane. Anybody else? Anybody else not passing? What are they? Don't say it out loud. Uh, we all judge those people. We're always judging. If I see somebody driving and they're texting, I make a judgment. I say to myself, you know, I need to back up or I need to get away from them. They're not a very good driver. If you're a good driver, you don't text while you drive. I make 
judgments. We all make judgments. And so there's this context to this. Jesus, in fact, you really have to understand the bigger context. So this, this verse, if I can go back to it, this is found in Matthew 7. Now, those of you who know your Bibles really, really well know that Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives this sermon, and at the beginning of verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says Jesus uh, sees a crowd, he goes on a mountain, his disciples come to him, and he teaches them. And there's the notion that these instructions are for followers of Jesus. They apply, I guess, to everyone, but they certainly apply to us. But what exactly do they mean? So we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit. Now look at the, the, the smaller context. Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he gives this little parable. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, all the while there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, which is a judgment, by the way. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. And so Jesus gives this little story. I think, honestly, he used, uh, it's called hyperbole. He uses hyperbole. It's exaggeration for effect. And, and we do it all the time. We'll say, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. A what? A horse, yes, right, a horse. Uh, and we, could you really eat a horse? No, it's, it's hyperbole. It's what we do. Um, I have a million things to do today. No, you don't. You got a lot of things to do today. You might have three things to do. You, want, you think it's a million. Um, uh, every young person has heard this from an older person. When I was in school, I had to walk to school five miles in the snow, uphill, both ways, every day. You know? and, and so we've all heard that one. Uh, and my wife's favorite is, uh, I'm freezing. Usually spoken in a room that is set at about 80 degrees. Uh, I don't know how... I'm not a physical a medical doctor, but I'm pretty sure you can't freeze at 80. But anyway, she's always freezing, always freezing. So there's this notion about um, we, we're not to judge. And then Jesus uses this, this hyperbole, this story about dust in a person's eye, in a plank. And the idea, if you think about it, Jesus' dad was a, was a carpenter. And so Jesus was probably around specks and things that got in your eyes. And when I work with wood, I, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate I wear glasses, but even with glasses on, you know, they tell you, you know, wear, wear goggles or whatever, and I don't do that, but sometimes stuff gets in your eye. It just does. And, and Jesus is using this little funny story. It's like, if you're going to take the speck, and you really want to take the speck out of a person's eye, but you're going to have to remove the plank first. And so Jesus is... It, it is this universal conundrum that we have of how do we, how do we deal with each other? And so Jesus says, judge not. But then he says, uh, you, you're going to judge. So the way you judge is how, you should, how you're going to be. Uh, you need to judge in a way that would be okay if you were judged the same way. It's that same sort of uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He kind of he lumps that in lots of places. And it's really interesting to me, uh, 
Almost every culture has a saying for this. Now, you know a couple of these. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple of them to you. The English will say, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. You've heard that one, right? Uh, the Norwegians say, people who live in glass houses shouldn't what? Grow stones. The Arabs say, let's see if you can finish this one. The camel cannot see... <laughs> uh, <laughs> the camel cannot see the crookedness of its own neck. That's great. <laughs> the Germans say one donkey chides another for being long-eared. Those Germans. Uh, the Hungarians say the owl tells the sparrow its head is big. <laughs> uh, and the, here's my favorite. Those aren't good. This one's good. The, the Japanese say the sleep in one's eye shouldn't laugh at the snot in another's nose. Now that... <laughs> That'll preach. Uh, that's good, right? That's good. All right, so, so we're making these judgments. We all make them. I mean, it's impossible in life not to judge, frankly. Um, if you're an employer and you have employees, you're judging. You're judging if your employee is giving you an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. The employee is judging if their employer is giving them an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. We judge stuff. If you're a teacher, you're making judgments. Is this child, uh, is this student, um, are, are they uh, working hard? Are they doing their assignments? How do they do on their tests? We get grades in school based on someone's judgments. It's just how it works. They're we're always judging. If you're, if you're uh, a man looking for a wife, you're making a judgment. There are certain things I'm looking for, right? Uh, I, I want her to laugh at my jokes. I, I want her to, to be smoking hot. You know, whatever it is, I, I've got things I'm looking for. If you're, a, if you're a woman looking for a man to marry, there are things you're looking for. I'd like him to not be playing Nintendo every minute of every day. You know, it's just stuff you're looking for. It's just how it works. And so since we're going to judge, and Jesus knows this, when he said don't judge, it's not like you can't, you can't not judge. Double negative, I understand. We're always going to judge some things. So how do we do it? I'm going to judge. How do I judge? So a couple of things. We're discerning without condemning. We're, we're discerning without condemning. If you'll recall, in John chapter 8, it begins with this story of a woman caught in adultery, right? You remember the story. Uh, they caught her in adultery, in the act. I mean, I don't know if there's anything more humiliating that I can think of than that, except this. She's caught in the act of adultery, and they bring her into the public square and put her before Jesus. And there's this debate around, did they even let her get clothed first? I mean, are you feeling the tension of that? It is, it is such a horrible story. And they bring her in front of Jesus, and they accuse her. And the story goes that Jesus bends down and he writes in the dust, and nobody knows what he writes. It's kind of one of those first questions I'm going to ask Jesus. It's like, dude, what were you writing? That's really interesting to me. And then they keep accusing, and hey, dude, what, do you, what, do you, what's your what is your judgment about her? They want Jesus to judge. <coughs> and Jesus says, um, I judge that whoever is without sin can cast the first stone. 
And it says that from the oldest to the youngest, there's sort of this implication that the older you are, the more you know you've sinned. But the, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and walked away. And, and then it reads like this. Uh, he, he says, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Now listen, listen, super important. Then neither do I condemn you. Condemn you. And then Jesus says, go and live your uh, life just the way you were. Is that what he says? Go and continue to be uh, loose. Doesn't say that. He, he judged, I don't condemn you. And then he says, go now and leave your life of sin. He makes a judgment. It is discerning, not condemning. It's also challenging. I mean, that's what she knows, right? She knows. This is what she... she he didn't say go back to your, uh, your lover. He didn't say any of that. He said go and leave your life of sin. There is a judgment to that. There's a challenge to that. Here's the difference. The people that brought this woman in front of Jesus, they're Pharisees. Do you know who was perfect at speaking the truth in love? Jesus. He was great at it. He was perfect at it. We're called to be people who speak the truth in love. The Pharisees spoke truth from a position of superiority. I am better than you, therefore you should do what I say. They weren't better than these people, but they thought they were. And so in an arrogant position, they, they challenged people or they told people what they should do. They weren't better, but they acted better. Jesus was better than everybody else. And yet he spoke the truth in love. He just changed things. Can we speak truth to people? Well, sure. We're to speak truth to people. Look what it says. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He isn't like us. And Jesus was quite indiscriminate in the people he hung out with. He, he calls a dude named Matthew and says, I want you to be one of my disciples. And Matthew says, awesome. I'm going to throw a dinner party with all my rowdy friends. That's where the song came from. Uh, uh, he, he says, uh, I want to have a party with all my rowdy friends. And Jesus, I want you to be there. It's not true, by the way. I just made that up. Uh, I want you to come and be with all my rowdy friends. And Jesus does. He's so indiscriminate with the people he hangs out with. Does that mean Jesus lived like that? No. Jesus loves people. Well, you know what you do when you love people? You hang out with them. It's just how it works. He loves people. Now, you know, Jesus was really harsh sometimes. You want to know with whom? The Pharisees. Because he didn't love them? No. With this woman caught in adultery, he was gentle. She was broken and humiliated. And so he spoke the truth in love the way she needed it. The Pharisees are arrogant and haughty, and judgmental, and Jesus spoke to them the way they needed it. He called them a brood of vipers. 
he called them whitewashed tombs. And you think to yourself, well, that's, he's not very kind. <laughs> no, he's not. If I called you a brood of vipers and a whitewashed tomb, that's not nice, not friendly. It's truth, and it's spoken in love. And you know what? It worked in a few instances. You know what? There's a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He went to see Jesus. Maybe he heard Jesus say, you boys have got all this wrong. You need to reconsider what you're thinking. And he's like, I, I probably ought to reconsider. And he did. And he met Jesus. And he became a follower of Christ. There's a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. He was a, a prominent uh, person in, in the religious hierarchy. And he heard whitewashed tomb. And he probably heard brood of vipers. And it's like, hey, I should probably uh, kind of consider myself. And he did. And he became a follower of Jesus. Jesus was perfect at this. And I need you to note something. You can speak the truth in love perfectly and still get crucified. There are people like this who don't want to hear it. And he spoke the truth in love perfectly because that's who he is and he still was crucified he, he was he was so indiscriminate in who he loved it was everybody he, he loved Zacchaeus he touched lepers he healed men born blind a social all these are social outcasts these are social outcasts and these are the ones Jesus gravitated toward in fact, Jesus instructs us, you, you've got to judge. Beware of false prophets. Well, that's judging. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless as sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. I'm no... Uh, arborist, uh, you know, but I do know the difference between an apple tree and a pear tree. I know the difference. I can look at the fruit. Now, just to be honest with you, if there's no fruit, I can't tell the difference. If there are three trees and there's no fruit on there, I don't know what they are. Uh, there is an app for that, though, I understand, so you just take a picture and figure it out. I, I, but I can sure tell the difference by the fruits. You, you can just tell the, the difference. And, and so, sometimes people, <laughs> you have to judge we had a guy come to our house and do some work recently, and he did a really pretty good job, frankly. And I got him off of Marketplace, and it was a dude that was like, I, this is what I want done. He came and did it, and he did a couple little jobs for me, and I paid him. And then I said, okay, if we have any problems, can I contact you? You see a problem? Anybody see a problem where this is going with the problem? And I contacted him, and he said, yeah, I'll come back and fix those problems. like, not a and so then, then I recontacted him. I said, okay, man, uh, I know you're busy. I, I, get, I let him off the hook. You probably forgot. You know, I, know, I, know, I know that happens. Um, not only do I need those, you to fix those two things, I got a couple other things you can do, and I'll pay you for that. You can do it all while you come back. He didn't come back. But while he was at my house, he told me what, a, what his faith meant to him. And how much Jesus had changed him. And, 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 and I'm like, 
Dude, I, I, wanted, I wanted so badly for him to work out. I mean, I wanted it to work. I did everything I could to make it work. It's a great quote by Maya Angelou. When someone shows you who they are, you believe them the first time. Sometimes people will show you who they are. And so you're going to make a judgment. You, you judge not to be condemning, but you have to have discernment. Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. We, we have to be wise in, in our discernment. But then he also goes further. There's the plank principle. He basically says, hey, um, don't pick on people. You got problems too. Is what, basically what he says. I love the message translation. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want that same treatment. If you'd like to be treated that way, then that's what you should do. My favorite musical, I can't even say it without laughing. Uh, I don't like musicals. But there's a musical called The Music Man. Anybody watch that? Pathetic. Okay, anyway, uh, uh, it's judging. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sure it's great uh, if you like that sort of thing. Who does? Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. There's a song in the musical that goes, um, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, you know. That, that's the theme song of some churches. I mean, it's like, uh, that, that's our theme. We, we want to pick. And, and, and Christians can be so critical of one another. Man, have you ever heard so? And I love our church. Our church is so good to not, not be this. But I've been in them. So they're, they're in the back back there, some ladies, you know, and it's like, can you believe she wore that to church? <laughs> it's just unseemly. You know, they're kind of that way. It's kind of that way. I heard this cute little story about a, a preacher in Kentucky. Now, if you're a preacher in Kentucky, there are certain topics you probably don't want to touch on, and one of those is smoking. Because one of our major cash crops is tobacco. So you kind of avoid that. It's just kind of how it works. You know, you, you got to know where you are. Uh, we don't talk about bourbon either. You know, it's kind of kind of who we are. You know, you got to kind of know your lane and everything. Well, this, this old preacher in Kentucky, he, he got going one day. And, and so he starts talking about smoking. You know, and that, that old line, he's got that old line about, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, smoking won't send you to hell, but it'll make, like, it'll make you smell like you've been there. You know, and, there, and, and so there's this little lady in the second row, and she starts amening. Amen, preacher. And so, you know, preachers like that. So we get going, you know. He, so he just got going. He kept going, you know, about how smoking is bad and all that stuff. After the service was over with, she, she's walking out. You know, it's back in the day where, where the preacher stood at the back and you shook hands. And this lady's walking out, and she's got to chew a dip. It is so big, she can't hardly talk. And she says, preacher, I'm so glad you got, finally got on the topic of smoking. And he said, man, i got to tell you, um, I, th that seems a little hypocritical. She said, no, it's not. She said, anything that tastes this good shouldn't be burned. <laughs> I agree with you. I was kind of, okay, okay. So James's brothers is the brother of Jesus. James says, Brothers and sisters, don't say anything against each other. If you criticize your brother or sister in Christ you're ju or, or judge them, you're criticizing and judging the law they follow. And when, they are, uh, when you are judging the law, you're not a follower of the law, you become the judge of the law. I, I often wonder, did James's mother, did Mary say, if you can't say something good about somebody, don't say anything at all? Because that's what this verse sort of says. And in Christianity, now listen, 
there are different denominations. There's Methodist and Presbyterian and Episcopalian. There's a bunch of them, right? There's a bunch of them. And Baptists, we're Baptists, and there's a bunch of them. Yeah, Methodists, there's good, they're, they're good people. Church of Christ, there's a lot of stuff. And we differ on theology some, in, in some places. So when I was in Michigan as a pastor, I had pastor friends, and I had a group that I met with once a month, and I, we had different denomination guys, and I met with them, and it was great. I had one pastor, and they, they baptized infants. Well, I don't believe that's in Scripture, and we don't do that. But I, it didn't make me not like him. I liked him a lot. And then I had one preacher, and he was sort of in a church that did tongues. And I, we don't do tongues, but it's like, I, I, I love that guy. A lot of it has to do with relationships. Jesus loved people. He wanted the best for people. And so when he was making a judgment about people, he was saying, okay, well, this is what they need to do to be better. So when James says, hey, don't be critical, sometimes it's easy to get in a rut of being critical. And then there's a third thing. Uh, you don't have all the facts. I can judge what you say, but I don't know why you said it. I can judge what you do, but I don't know why you did it. When you judge me, and you do, and I know it, I understand that I'm your pastor. You're going to make a judgment about me. I want you to judge based on all of me. I'm an introvert. I tell you all this. If you don't know what an introvert is, it's someone who prefers to be alone. And so when I come to church, I know part of my job as a pastor is to be with you. And so it really takes a lot of effort for me as an introvert, you people are draining, uh, honestly. <laughs> and I say that in the love of Jesus. I mean, so, but, but extroverts, they get energized around people. E introverts don't. So when the day is over, when Sunday afternoon hits, I, am, I, am, I feel like I've been beaten with a baseball bat. Well, that's who I am. I'm kind of driven. I'm kind of focused. If I get something on my mind, I've got to do it immediately or I forget I'm old. And so I've been accused at times of, of being sort of aloof. Dude, there's nobody less aloof than me. What do I have to be aloof about? Uh, but sometimes I have it on my mind and I walk by you and, and I don't talk to you. It's not because I, I don't like you. I just have something else to do. I want you to judge me by all of me. Look, I was, I was spoiled as a child. My mother, my mother babied me. I was the baby of the family. I never did a load of laundry or made my bed until I went to college. It's my mother's fault I'm this way. <laughs> yeah, uh, can we edit that part out? Uh, Mana always watches. But I love you, Mana. You're great. You're great. We, we have history. We all have history. We don't know everything. And so we have this quickness to be a judge. And, and 1 Samuel says, man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. You know what? I, can't, I can judge what you say. I can't judge why you say it. But God can. And God will. Have you? When I was a kid, my parents would ask me questions like this. Why did you leave the ice cream carton out? And when you're a kid, here's the answer. It's not even a word. Oh, 
It's not a word. That's not even a word. Oh. And you know what? When I asked my girls, hey, why did you leave the ice cream out? You know what they said to me? Oh. Because we don't know. We sometimes do things we just don't understand. Jesus said, why do you do that? You want to know why we judge? I'll give, this is really, really simple. You want to know why we do it? It's fun. It's fun to think you're better than somebody else. Isn't it? Just a little bit. It's kind of fun. But the Bible says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. I don't even know why I do the stuff I do. I do stuff, I don't know why. If I can't figure out why, oh, if I can't figure out the why of me, how in the world can I judge the why of you? How do I do that? I mean, it's like, I, I just, I can't. So look at what it says. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring light to what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives. He will expose the motives. I look at stuff sometimes and I think, I think I know why they do that, but I don't, I don't always know. There's a fourth thing. We clear our eyes first. He said, take the plank out of your own eye. Because honestly, if I've got a speck in my eye, I want you to help me. I need you to help me. You have to kind of clean your own eyes out first, but I need your help. We all need each other's help. This Sermon on the Mount, this is about Christians helping other Christians. This is how we deal with one another. This is how we deal with people. Judge not, that you be not judged. This is how, what's what Jesus said for us to do. We have to kind of clear our own eyes. This is a cat by the name of Sir Percival Lowell. He looks like a Sir Percival, doesn't he? He was an astronomer, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. So he wanted, to, he wanted to find a place where it would be very clear and he could see uh, into space the most clear. And so he built an observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. It's still there. Uh, it's probably been updated. Uh, but uh, it's called the, the Lowell uh, Observatory. Now, Mr. Lowell began to read, uh, I think it's an Italian guy, and, a, and one Italian astronomer was saying, hey, there are canals on Mars. Canals, like, like uh, intelligent life dug a trench on Mars. And so Percival, he builds this observatory in Flagstaff. He begins to look, and he begins to see the canals on Mars. He begins to report this. Uh, people in that era are talking about Martians, you know, kind of War of the world stuff. And he, was, he began to map the canals on Mars. He could see them through his telescope. Well, does anybody want to know how many canals there are on Mars? Zero. Uh, modern space exploration has discovered there's nothing like that. So what was he seeing? Well, there's this thing called the Lowell Syndrome, and that's when the, he was observing the blood vessels in his eyes because he was straining so hard, and he was writing that down. See, he, he believed it, so he started to see it. You, you want to know what uh, prejudice is? It's when you pre-believe something about someone, and then you begin to see it. That's what 
prejudice is. We think it's there and therefore we see it. You buy a new car, you buy a whatever, and you start to see those cars every place. That's just the way it works. And yet Paul said this. He said, brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly bring them back. We have an obligation to, some, to, to, to people. Look, if I go to the dentist and she looks at my teeth and she says, well, I see here that you have bleeding gums and I see here that uh, you have a couple of cavities and I see here it doesn't look like you floss very often. She's not being judgmental. I'm paying her for that. I want her to tell me the truth. If, however, she says, uh, you call this hygiene? This is low gene. I mean, it's just, like you're a loser. You're a dental loser. You know, it's like, well, okay, I, well, that's judgmental. I need the truth. We want the truth. You can handle the truth. You can. You can do it. That's her job. See, Jesus forbids judging with a spirit of condemnation and rejection. He doesn't condemn judging. In fact, he said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Speak the truth in love. That's what he's saying. As a father, I have four daughters. If I see that my kids are doing something that will hurt them, what I feel physically or emotionally or spiritually, I am their father. And I have an obligation to speak the truth in love. I have a relationship. I have love. I don't have a relationship or love with everybody. I can't speak the truth to everybody because I don't have a relationship or I don't have love. But to my daughters, well, I can speak the truth in love. We live in a world, do you remember when stories were written from a perspective of, you know, uh, I can identify with, with that character. And we say things, well, you know this expression, but for the grace of God, what? Go I. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for God's grace, I would do the same thing. Books and, and movies used to be that. But now we have this journalism that catches people doing bad things. And the, the idea is this. Can you believe how stupid they are? And the inference is, I would never do that. I would never do that stupid thing that that actress did or that actor did or that politician did. I would never make a faux pas like that. It used to be, but for the grace of God going out, now it's, I would never be that stupid. This is the world. We live in a highly charged, I'm better than you sort of world. See, Jesus said this, uh, love identifies with the people, judgment distances from the people. If I love you, look, <laughs> there are people who do things I just don't understand. That doesn't change the fact that God loves them. And, and he said this, Jesus said, Do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, this is how you will be judged. I brought, a, I brought an example. I've got a bucket and i got a cup. Can you see that little cup? Now, when I sin, do I want a bucket of grace or a cup of grace? I want a bucket, right? 
When, when, I, when I make an error driving, well, it's not a good illustration. When you make an error driving, <laughs> do you want a bucket of grace or a cup of grace? It's pretty easy, right? Do you want a bucket of mercy or a cup of mercy? Well, what, it's called the law of reciprocity. What you give is what you get. What you sow is what you reap. So in my house, we've just installed a jetted tub. We're taking reservations uh, in January. It's awesome, by the way. Jetted tub. I've never had a jetted tub. So the other day, I, I had my inaugural soak in the jetted tub. I got in, right? You know, I got in there, turned on the jets. It was nice, but it was missing something. I could tell. Bubbles. Not kid bubbles, not girl bubbles, manly bubbles. Don't judge me. I needed bubbles. The whole sermon is about that. You're judging. Sorry, you shouldn't be. Okay, so I found a product. You're going to love this. I found a product. Let me see if I can find it. It's called Dr. Teal's Black Elderberry Foaming Bath. That sounds manly. So I decided, okay, my second run at the jetted tub is going to be with Dr. Teal's Black Elderberry Foaming Bath. Now, this is the instruction. It says this. Pour a generous amount of Dr. Teal's Black Elderberry Foaming Bath under warm running water for comfortable uh, bubble bath experience. So I did. <laughs> well, when you think of generous... I poured about half the bottle in. That's pretty generous. I'm a generous cat. That's kind of how I roll. So I'm in there. I turn the jets on. Before you know it, it looks like this. Uh, it was kind of that. <laughs> Miriam had to call the fire department to get me out. She couldn't even find me. I was like, hey, are you in here? All right, so I say that to say this. When it comes to grace, I want a generous amount, right? I, I don't want a little amount of grace. I want as much grace as God will give me. Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him could be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn people. But let me remind you, as we close... You can speak the truth in love perfectly and still be crucified. Our calling isn't toward a result. It's toward obedience. Man, if I could, I want everybody to like what I say. But I know this. You can speak the truth in love perfectly. And I don't, but you can. And still get crucified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this day that you've given to us. Help us to be people of honor, of truth, of compassion, and love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.